welcome to this edition of Wineskins. I'm Father Jim Cordo. Wineskins is a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of issues and topics, all from a Catholic perspective. Wineskins is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our program today, I will interview Elaine Polomsky-Seuss. We will also hear more information on St. John of God. And today, as the Church celebrates the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we will get a deeper insight into those particular Sunday readings. That and more on Wineskins. Joining me today is Christina Hernandez, who is the coordinator of Hispanic Ministry, and Polana Montaldo from Ursuline High School. Welcome to Wineskins, both of you. Thank you, Father. It's so nice to, first of all, have you both on Wineskins, but also for us to talk about Hispanic Ministry. Christina, you have this new role as coordinator of Hispanic Ministry. What are some of the challenges that lie ahead for you in this role? One of my challenges is to serve the community that they don't speak Spanish either because we have people that they speak Quiche, Iche, Mam, different other language. And I hear that they have a few from Mexico too that they speak another language. Like for the part that I grew up, they speak Zapotec, but I don't know how to speak that language either. Paulina, you teach Spanish at Ursuline. So how is that for you with an English-American audience? I feel like the most important part of teaching a foreign language is to open doors and awareness and tolerance. So it's not just the language, it's the culture. And I think that's a very important for the kids to understand that they must respect differences, that at the end, we all have the uh, same needs. So to me, that's very important for them to understand. And of course, Christina, you'll be working with various people in the diocese, around the diocese in Hispanic ministry. For example, there's communities up in Astabula, mm-hmm. Salem, in Canton, in Youngstown. How will you be coordinating those efforts for Hispanic ministry? The best things about this is that Father Brian make to have every parish Spanish-speaker priest, and this is something that is very, very important for the community. Working with them, I know that we are going to have challenge because Father Ernesto is in Astabiola, but the technology is open to us. This is one of the things that we have from the pandemic. We're using the technology, and I know that with their help, everything is going to be okay. Well, I think that's a great understanding to use the tools and the gifts that are at our disposal mm-hmm. to help us communicate better, to help us share faith, to help young people especially understand the truths of the faith. Paulina, in your work at Ursuline, what do you find most pleasing and special about those young people? We are together in Christ, and I think that that makes a huge difference. In your work together in Hispanic ministry, how do you support one another in those efforts? And how important is it to work with other people in those efforts? Well, we have the pastoral council. We get together once a month with Father Brian. Now Christina will be the chair. And we have representatives from each one of the parishes 
that have the Spanish masses. So I think that that's very important because now we are working together, collaborating, and then I think that that's making a difference. We already had our first summit with Bishop Bonner in March, which was a success in Ravenna. And then a couple weeks ago, we had our first retreat as a Hispanic family. So not just for adults, but we all went together and we had a retreat at Walsh University, and it was great. Mm -hmm. And Christina, in your new role, how important is it for you to kind of bring people together? This is one of my dreams that come true, because Mm -hmm. working for the Diocese of Youngstown make me to be open and to understand more the community. The role that we have as coordinators of a representative for the the community, it's very important because we are the one that we talk to all of them. We are the one that is going to bring everything to the diocese and ask about needs and everything. We have a very important role and with all of the consul too and the other stuff is, please, they know that they're going to have my support. If they need me, I'm going to be with them and talk to the people or the, our community. And together, I know that we are going to have a very good team. It's important that Bishop right now, he's making his effort to speak Spanish. This is one tool that is, I appreciate all of the things that he's doing. Well, Cristina Hernandez, Paulina Montaldo, thank you so much for your presence on Wineskins, but also for the wonderful work that you do to bring us together and also to support Hispanic ministry here in the diocese. We do thank Bishop Bonner for his heroic efforts in learning uh, Spanish. And thank you, Paulina, for your teaching him, and also Christina for your many years of support in Hispanic ministry. And thank you for your efforts and God's blessing on both of you as you continue your ministry. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. St. John of God is a patron of heart patients. To tell us more is Katie Wagner. She is the editor-in-chief of the Catholic Echo. John of God, who was born in Portugal in 1495, started off as a soldier and became a medical worker later in Spain. His followers founded a medical organization called the Brothers Hospitallers of St. John of God. John of God was known for his humility and dedication to the sick. He was canonized in 1690, and in 1886, Pope Leo XIII named him patron of hospitals and the sick, together with St. Camillus de Leas. In 1930, Pope Pius XI placed all nurses under his patronage. The opening prayer of the Mass mentions St. John's Apostolate of Charity. Father, you gave John of God love and compassion for others. His apostolate to the sick and suffering is described in the Office of Readings. If we look forward to receiving God's mercy, we can never fail to do good so long as we have the strength. For if we share with the poor our love for God, whatever he has given to us, we shall receive, according to his promise, a hundredfold in eternal happiness. Whenever I see so many poor brothers and sisters and neighbors of mine suffering beyond their strength and overwhelmed with so many physical or mental ills which I cannot alleviate, then I must become exceedingly sorrowful. 
but I trust in Christ who knows my heart. St. John of God is a precursor of modern methods of mental therapy and the care of the sick. He endeavored, first of all, to heal the mind and spirit before treating the physical symptoms of the body. He also separated persons suffering from infectious diseases from the other patients. In serving our needy brothers and sisters, we should always see in them the face of Christ. Let us pray. St. John of God, we honor you as patron of the sick, especially of those who are afflicted by heart disease. We choose you to be their patron and protector in their present illnesses. To you we entrust their soul, body, all spiritual and temporal interests, as well as those of the sick throughout the world. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Wineskins, I am Katie Wagner. Joining me again is Elaine Polomsky-Seuss, who is the former managing editor of the Catholic Exponent. It's a pleasure to have you back on Wineskins. Thanks for inviting me. You know, the last time you were with us, several months ago, we talked about your role in the Catholic Exponent over these many years, but more recently in the final edition that came out in the month of February. And we want to talk about that, but then kind of segue into talking about this 80th anniversary of the Diocese of Youngstown that we're celebrating this year. So tell us a little bit about your endeavors of putting this final issue together. It was so much fun. I was around at the Exponent, well, the diocese for 36 of the 79-year history of the Exponent. So I guess it was logical that I would do the project. But it became almost like a, like a religious experience for me because I was looking over all these very old and fragile bound volumes that we have, Mm -hmm. almost like parchment paper on the edges, you know, Mm -hmm. that they would almost disintegrate in your hands, so I had to be very careful. But it felt like I was kind of going through this journey Mm -hmm. of all these years with departed colleagues. Mm -hmm. Really, um, I was trying to decide, you know, what kinds of photos they would want me to emphasize in this section mm-hmm. what kinds of things uh, stories and what would readers need to know or want to know it was just like an adventure and i loved it i would find a photo and then oh maybe something better you know mm-hmm. and it, it took a little while to get it done but we ended up with four center pages of mostly photos which went through all the decades not in order but all the mm-hmm. decades you know the Exponent was founded in 1944, six months after the diocese in 43. Mm -hmm. And so in the 40s, for example, I highlighted pictures of Bishop McFadden, who was the first bishop, picture of him blessing this nursing school at St. E's Hospital. Mm -hmm. There was also in the 40s pages and pages of World War II Mm -hmm. men and women who were either killed or missing in action or Mm -hmm. wounded in the war, and that was prevalent, you know, in the 44 and 45 issues. In 1950, of course, the cathedral was burned to the ground by a lightning strike, and then the new cathedral Mm -hmm. came to be. Also, there was an explosion in enrollment of Catholic schools in the 50s, Mm -hmm. so I tried to highlight that. In the 60s, of course, was Bishop Malone being one of the youngest bishops to attend all four sessions of the Second Vatican Council, Mm -hmm. and all the excitement that came from that. It was also a period of civil rights. Mm -hmm. So two of the editors from The Exponent, Ed Barman and Denny Finneran, actually went on the march that Martin Luther King did from Selma to the capital, Montgomery, Alabama, Mm -hmm. took part in that, that demonstration and wrote about it in The Exponent. 
the 70s, uh, all kinds of things happening, but toward the end was the ecumenical coalition founded by Bishop Malone, where he involved various churches in an effort to save the Youngstown steel mills. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, it was Mother Teresa coming to Walsh University, of all places, um, invited to speak there because she was a Nobel Peace Prize Mm -hmm. laureate. At that time, too, Bishop Malone was president of the National Bishops' Conference, Mm -hmm. and they wrote some very important pastoral letters. One Mm -hmm. was on uh, nuclear war. Second was on the U.S. economy and capitalism and how that affects social justice. And then in the forefront, a lot of women's issues the role of women in the church, and the bishops wrote pastoral letter on the evils of domestic right. violence. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, there were rosary marches at the Mahoney Women's Center where they did abortions, and mm-hmm. Bishop mm-hmm. Tobin was a big part of those. He was the one also that heralded in Jubilee 2000, an effort by evangelization effort by Pope John Paul II. In the 21st century, then we had the consolidations of a lot of the parishes. Bishop Murray was involved in that. He also was on the forefront of issues like racism at a national level. He was invited to be on the Ohio Governor's Coalition with uh, community and police uh, relations. He was a leader in Catholic education. COVID-19 was taking place, so the diocese and parishes were adjusting to that. And then Bishop Bonner came in the middle of that, of course, and he launched the Synod on Synodality locally, initiated by Pope Francis, the Eucharistic revival by the U.S. Catholic bishops, and then, you know, wrote his own pastoral letter, Testify to the Light of Christ, and emphasizing communication and evangelization. And that's kind of where the echo got its formation, you know, the multimedia group that represents now the diocese in communications. Mm -hmm. It was great fun to do it, and I just felt honored, I guess, to be involved in that. Why is it still important for us to have print media? Why is that still part of our culture? There still are people that, especially older individuals who don't go online, who could feel cut off if they didn't have some connection in print. Not only older people, by the way, but I have two friends in nursing homes, one of whom I read the news stories that are on the Echo website, and then there's another one that I print out and mail it to her, and she says she gives it to her friends. So the magazine is, I think, is is crucial. We're still, many of us still like that medium. Your many years with the uh, print media here, especially in the Diocese of Youngstown. What have you learned about yourself as a Catholic? I think I have felt more connected with my church than I ever did belonging to a parish. I don't know how to say that without it sounding wrong, but you know, it's a ministry. My job, my career, my occupation has really always been a vocation. Mm. I just have been, again, honored to have been part of getting the news and the gospel out to other Catholics. Well, Elaine polomsky seuss former managing editor of the Catholic Exponent, we thank you for your presence again on Wineskins, and especially as we celebrate 80 years as a Diocese of Youngstown, we know that the Exponent was a significant part of that, and now we have the Catholic Echo that we encourage the folks to read, also to go online to read that if they so choose. But thank you for your vocation, for your ministry. You know, us in the communication field, sometimes 
The secular world looks upon that as a job, but it's really our ministry. And so our ministry is to share the Word of God, to get that Word out, to share the good news in all forms. So thank you for doing that throughout your career and throughout your ministry. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more pertinent information and to listen to Wineskins, visit catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. I am Marino. Je suis Marino. I am Marinol. I believe that we are all connected to each other, and that it is the gift of compassion that unites us and makes us one. It doesn't matter what language, culture, or tradition we come from. We can share compassion wherever we are. Marinol, an American Catholic organization of priests and brothers, has been reaching out to those in need for nearly 100 years in 26 countries throughout the world. Marinol dedicates 86 cents of every dollar donated to their programs, and with your help, they can do more. Missionaries, workers, volunteers, supporters, we are all Marinol. I am Marinol. Yo soy Marinol. I'm Father Mike, and I am Marinol. 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 Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Our song today is from the CD called Simple Heart. It is by John Michael Talbot. to do one. 
As we celebrate this 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we will hear more about the Sacred Scriptures by Ursuline Sister Regina Rogers. She is from St. Edward Church in Youngstown. Today's Gospel is a very interesting one, especially its ending. When someone hurts us, it is often very difficult to forgive and forget. This is especially true when someone hurts people we love. But Jesus is relentless in his insistence that forgiveness must be a part of our lives, not just once or twice, but seven times 70. In other words, always. Forgiveness must be in the core of our being, just as it was for Jesus. But it is one of the hardest teachings to follow because our human inclination is to get even. We see this all around us today. Even the saying, don't get mad, get even, reverberates in our society. Yet, as followers of Christ, the command is to forgive those who have hurt us. But what does it mean to forgive? It does not mean just saying the words, I forgive you. Forgiveness is letting go, letting go of past hurts. Why? so we can live a full life. Father George Smiga tells us if we are called to forgive, we will have more success if we focus on our blessings rather than on our hurts. This is what the slave does not do. He sees only what is owed him. He has forgotten that he himself was forgiven. He pleaded for mercy and was granted mercy. He chooses not to remember the mercy that was shown to him. He cannot think of anything but himself and his gain. He is certainly wrapped up in his own ego. When we take time to recall all of our blessings, we will find that they outnumber our hurts. We need to see our blessings and be grateful for them. We all sin. We hurt others, and others hurt us. But the practice of looking back each day and recalling the blessings of that day can change our focus from hurts to healing. We may also find the strength to let go of our anger or our need for vengeance and again see the graciousness of those we love and who love us. But what about the second part of this gospel? 
Is it God who will hand us over to the torturers if we do not forgive others? Or do we hand ourselves over to the torturers? One way to look at this teaching is to say that it is not God who tortures us. We torture ourselves the more we keep reliving the hurt. We brood. We plan ways to get even. We fixate on the one who caused our pain. We can even lose sleep because of our anger, our need to hurt the other, as the other has hurt us. We do not want the good for the other. We want them to feel the pain we are feeling and more. Yet it is only by forgiving that we will find peace. We forgive the other, not because they deserve it or they ask for our forgiveness. We forgive the other because we need to forgive them for our own peace, for our own joy. Once we let go of our need to get even, we become witnesses to the kingdom of God. We become followers of the Master. When we pray the Our Father, we say, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray for the ability to forgive. The path to forgiveness takes time, practice, and conscious effort. Again, like many of the teachings of Jesus, it is not easy, but it is a requirement of our faith. Otherwise, we choose the torturers. We choose to live sick in heart and soul. We do not become a reflection of God's love and mercy to others, but an image of selfishness and hate. God wants to bring life and healing to us. Will we accept God's love and grace, or will we wallow in our pain? The longer we hold on to our anger, the harder it becomes to let it go. Jesus says that he has come to bring us abundant life. Will we choose life and love, or will we become tortured souls? For Wineskins, I am Sister Regina Rogers. If we imprison our brother and sister in their error, we will have forged our own prison. But if we can forgive as we have been forgiven, we will have gained our brother and sister. You see, it is relationships that matter. Wineskins is a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. It is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a beautiful week. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty 
is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.